Chapter 8 of The Mind and Its Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary B. Clayton. The Mind and Its Education by George Herbert Betts. Chapter 8 Mental Images and Ideas. As you sit thinking, a company of you together, your thoughts run in many diverse lines. Yet with all this diversity, your minds possess this common characteristic. Though your thinking all takes place in what we call the present moment, it goes on largely in terms of past experiences. 1. The part played by past experience. Present thinking depends on past experience. Image or ideas of things you have seen or heard or felt, of things you have thought of before and which now recur to you, of things you remember such as names dates places events of things that you do not remember as a part of your past at all but that belong to it nevertheless these are the things which form a large part of your mental stream and which give content to your thinking you may think of a thing that is going on now or of one that is to occur in the future but after all you are dependent on your past experience for the material which you put into your thinking of the present moment. Indeed, nothing can enter your present thinking which does not link itself to something in your past experience. The savage Indian in the primeval forest never thought about killing a deer with a rifle merely by pulling a trigger, or of turning a battery of machine guns on his enemies to annihilate them. None of these things were related to his past experience, hence he could not think in such terms the present interpreted by the past not only can we not think at all except in terms of our past experience but even if we could the present would be meaningless to us for the present is interpreted in the light of the past the sedate man of affairs who decries athletic sports and has never taken part in them cannot understand the wild enthusiasm which prevails between rival teams in a hotly contested event the fine work of art is to the one who has never experienced the appeal which comes through beauty only so much of canvas and variegated patches of color paul says that jesus was quote, unto the greeks foolishness end quote. he was foolishness to them because nothing in their experience with their own gods had been enough like the character of jesus to enable them to interpret him the future also depends on the past to the mind incapable of using past experience, the future also would be impossible, for we can look forward into the future only by placing in its experiences the elements of which we have already known. The savage who has never seen the shiny yellow metal does not dream of a heaven whose streets are paved with gold, but rather of a, quote, happy hunting ground, end quote. If you will analyze your own dreams of the future, you will see in them familiar pictures perhaps grouped together in new forms, but coming in their elements from your past experience nevertheless. All that would remain to a mind devoid of a past would be the little bridge of time which we call the present moment, a series of unconnected nows. Thought would be impossible, for the mind would have nothing to compare and relate. Personality would not exist for personality requires continuity of experience else we should be a new person each succeeding moment without memory and without plans such a mind would be no mind at all rank determined by ability to utilize past experience 
so important is past experience in determining our present thinking and guiding our future actions that the place of an individual in the scale of creation is determined largely by the ability to profit by past experience the scientist tells us of many species of animals now extinct which lost their lives and suffered their race to die out because when long ago the climate began to change and grow much colder they were unable to use the experience of suffering in the last cold season as an incentive to provide shelter or move to a warmer climate against the coming of the next and more rigorous one man was able to make the adjustment and providing himself with clothing and shelter and food he survived while myriads of the lower forms perished the singed moth again and again dares the flame which tortures it and at last gives its life a sacrifice to its folly the burned child fears the fire and does not the second time seek the experience so also can the efficiency of an individual or a nation as compared with other individuals or nations be determined the inefficient are those who repeat the same error or useless act over and over or else fail to repeat a chance useful act whose repetition might lead to success they are unable to learn their lesson and be guided by experience their past does not sufficiently minister to their present and through it direct their future two how past experience is conserved past experience conserved in both mental and physical terms if past experience plays so important a part in our welfare how then is it to be conserved so that we may secure its benefits here as elsewhere we find the mind and body working in perfect unison and harmony each doing its part to further the interests of both the result of our past experience may be read in both our mental and our physical nature on the physical side past experience is recorded in modified structure through the law of habit working on the tissues of the body and particularly on the delicate tissues of the brain and nervous system this is easily seen in its outward aspects the stooped shoulders and bent form of the workman tell a tale of physical toil and exposure the bloodless lips and pale face of the victim of the city sweatshop tell of foul air long hours and insufficient food the rosy cheek and bounding step of childhood speak of fresh air good food and happy play on the mental side past experience is conserved chiefly by means of images ideas and concepts the nature and function of concepts will be discussed in a later chapter it will now be our purpose to examine the nature of images and ideas and to note the part they play in the mind's activities the image and the idea to understand the nature of the image and then of the idea we may best go back to the percept you look at a watch which i hold before your eyes and secure a percept of it briefly this is what happens the light reflected from the yellow object on striking the retina results in a nerve current which sets up a certain form of activity in the cells of the visual brain area and lo a percept of the watch flashes in your mind now i put the watch in my pocket so that the stimulus is no longer present to your eye then i ask you to think of my watch just as it appeared as you were looking at it or you may yourself choose to think of it without my suggesting it to you in either case the cellular activity in the visual area of the cortex is reproduced approximately as it occurred in connection with the percept and lo an image of the watch flashes in your mind an image is thus an approximate copy of a former percept or several percepts 
it is aroused indirectly by means of a nerve current coming by way of some other brain center instead of directly by the stimulation of a sense organ as in the case of a percept if instead of seeking a more or less exact mental picture of my watch you only think of its general meaning and relations the fact that it is of gold that it is for the purpose of keeping time that it was a present to me that i wear it in my left pocket you then have an idea of the watch our idea of an object is therefore the general meaning of relations we ascribe to it it should be remembered however that the terms image and idea are employed rather loosely and that there is not yet general uniformity among writers in their use all our past experience potentially at our command images may in a certain sense take the place of percepts and we can again experience sights sounds tastes and smells which we have known before without having the stimuli actually present to the senses in this way all our past experience is potentially available to the present all the objects we have seen it is potentially possible again to see in the mind's eye without being obliged to have the objects before us all the sounds we have heard all the tastes and smells and temperatures we have experienced we may again have presented to our minds in the form of mental images without the various stimuli being present to the end organs of the senses through images and ideas the total number of objects in our experience is infinitely multiplied for many of the things we have seen or heard or smelled or tasted we cannot again have present to the senses and without this power we would never get them again and besides this fact it would be inconvenient to have to go and secure afresh each sensation or percept every time we need to use it in our thought while habit then conserves our past experience on the physical side the image and the idea do the same thing on the mental side three individual differences in imagery images to be viewed by introspection the remainder of the description of images will be easier to understand for each of you can know just what is meant in every case by appealing to your own mind i beg of you not to think that i am presenting something new and strange a curiosity connected with our thinking which has been discovered by scholars who have delved more deeply into the matter than we can hope to do so every day no more than that every hour and every moment these images are flitting through our minds forming a large part of our stream of consciousness let us see whether we can turn our attention within and discover some of our images in their flight let us introspect i know of no better way to proceed than that adopted by francis galton years ago when he asked the englishmen of letters and science to think of their breakfast tables and then describe the images which appeared i am about to ask each of you to do the same thing but i want to warn you beforehand that the images will not be so vivid as the sensory experiences themselves they will be much fainter and more vague and less clear and definite they will be fleeting and must be caught on the wing often the image may fade entirely out and the idea only will be left the varied imagery suggested by one's dining table let each one now recall the dining table as you last left it and then answer questions concerning it like the following can i clearly see in my quote, mind's eye end quote, the whole table as it stood spread before me can i see all parts of it equally clearly do i get the snowy white and gloss of the linen the delicate coloring of the china so that i can see where the pink shades off into the white 
the graceful lines and curves of the dishes the sheen of the silver the brown of the toast the yellow of the cream the rich red and dark green of the bouquet of roses the sparkle of the glassware can i again hear the rattle of the dishes the clink of the spoon against the cup the moving up of the chairs the clatter of the voices each with its own peculiar pitch and quality the twitter of a bird outside the window the tinkle of a distant bell the chirp of a neighborly cricket can i taste clearly the milk the coffee the eggs the bacon the rolls the butter the jelly the fruit can i get the appetizing odor of the coffee of the meat the oranges and bananas the perfume of the lilac bush outside the door the perfume from a handkerchief newly treated to a spray of heliotrope can i recall the touch of my fingers on the velvety peach on the smooth skin of an apple on the fretted glassware the feel of the fresh linen the contact of leather-covered or cane-seated chair of the freshly donned garment can i get clearly the temperature of the hot coffee in the mouth of the hot dish on the hand of the ice water of the grateful coolness of the breeze wafted in through the open window can i feel again the strain of muscle and joint in passing the heavy dish can i feel the movement of the jaws in chewing the beefsteak of the throat and lips in talking of the chest and diaphragm in laughing of the muscles in sitting and rising in hand and arm in using knife and fork and spoon can i get again the sensation of pain which accompanied biting on a tender tooth from the shooting of a drop of acid from the rind of an orange into the eye the chance ache in the head the pleasant feeling connected with the exhilaration of a beautiful morning the feeling of perfect health the pleasure connected with partaking of a favorite food power of imagery varies in different people it is more than probable that some of you cannot get perfectly clear images in all these lines certainly not with equal facility for the imagery from any one sense varies greatly from person to person a celebrated painter was able after placing his subject in a chair and looking at him attentively for a few minutes to dismiss the subject and paint a perfect likeness of him from the visual image which recurred to the artist every time he turned his eyes to the chair where the sitter had been placed on the other hand a young lady a student in my psychology class tells me that she is never able to recall the looks of her mother when she is absent even if the separation has been only for a few moments she can get an image of the form with the color and cut of the dress but never the features one person may be able to recall a large part of a concert through his auditory imagery and another almost none in general it may be said that the power or at least the use of imagery decreases with age the writer has made a somewhat extensive study of the imagery of certain high school students college students and specialists in psychology averaging middle age almost without exception it was found that clear and vivid images played a smaller part in the thinking of the older group than of the younger more or less abstract ideas and concepts seem to have taken the place of the concrete imagery of earlier years imagery types although there is some difference in our ability to use imagery of different sensory types probably there is less variation here than has been supposed earlier pedagogical work spoke of the visual type of mind or the audible type or the motor type as if the possession of one kind of imagery necessarily rendered a person short in other types later studies have shown this view incorrect however 
the person who has good images of one type is likely to excel in all types while one who is lacking in any one of the more important types will probably be found short in all most of us probably make more use of visual and auditory than of other kinds of imagery while olfactory and gustatory images seem to play a minor role four the functioning of images benet says that the man who has not every type of imagery almost equally well developed is only the fraction of a man while this no doubt puts the matter too strongly yet images do play an important part in our thinking images supply material for imagination and memory imagery supplies the pictures from which imagination builds its structures given a rich supply of images from the various senses and imagination has the material necessary to construct times and events long since past or to fill the future with plans or experiences not yet reached lacking images however imagination is handicapped and its meagre products reveal in their barrenness and their lack of warmth and reality the poverty of material much of our memory also takes the form of images the face of a friend the sound of a voice or the touch of a hand may be recalled not as a mere fact but with almost the freshness and fidelity of a percept that much of our memory goes on in the form of ideas instead of images is true but memory is often both aided in its accuracy and rendered more vital and significant through the presence of abundant imagery imagery in the thought processes since logical thinking deals more with relations and meanings than with particular objects images naturally play a smaller part in reasoning than in memory and imagination yet they have their place here as well students of geometry or trigonometry often have difficulty in understanding a theorem until they succeed in visualizing the surface or solid involved thinking in the field of astronomy mechanics and many other sciences is assisted at certain points by the ability to form clear and accurate images the use of imagery in literature facility in the use of imagery undoubtedly adds much to our enjoyment and appreciation of certain forms of literature the great writers commonly use all types of images in their description and narration if we are not able to employ the images they used many of their most beautiful pictures are likely to be to us but so many words suggesting prosaic ideas shakespeare describing certain beautiful music appeals to the sense of smell to make himself understood Quote, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets stealing and giving odor lady macbeth cries quote, here's the smell of the blood still all the perfumes of arabia will not sweeten this little hand milton has eve say of her dream of the fatal apple quote, the pleasant savory smell so quickened appetite that i methought could not but taste End quote. likewise with a sense of touch quote, i take thy hand this hand as soft as doves down and as white as it End quote. imagine a person devoid of delicate tactile imagery with senseless fingertips and leaden footsteps undertaking to interpret these exquisite lines quote, thus i set my printless feet o'er the cowslip's velvet head that bends not as i tread End quote. shakespeare thus appeals to the muscular imagery quote, at last a little shaking of mine arm and thrice his head thus waving up and down he raised a sigh so piteous and profound as it did seem to shatter all his bulk and end his being End quote. 
many passages like the following appeal to the temperate images quote, freeze freeze thou bitter sky thou dost not bite so nigh as benefits forgot End quote. to one whose auditory imagery is meagre the following lines will lose something of their beauty quote, how sweet the moonlight sleeps upon this bank here we will sit and let the sounds of music creep in our ears soft stillness in the night becomes the touches of sweet harmony note how clear images will add to browning's words quote, are there not two moments in the adventure of a diver one when a beggar he prepares to plunge and one when a prince he rises with his pearl End quote. points where images are of greatest service Beyond question, many images come flooding into our minds which are irrelevant and of no service in our thinking. No one has failed to note many such. Further, we undoubtedly do much of our best thinking with few or no images present. Yet we need images. Where then are they most needed? Images are needed wherever the percepts which they represent would be of service whatever one better understand or enjoy or appreciate by seeing it hearing it or perceiving it through some other sense he can better understand enjoy or appreciate through images than by means of ideas only five the cultivation of imagery images depend on sensory stimuli the power of imaging can be cultivated the same as any other ability in the first place, we may put down as an absolute requisite such an environment of sensory stimuli as will tempt every sense to be awake and at its best, that we may be led into a large acquaintance with the objects of our material environment. No one's stock of sensory images is greater than the sum total of his sensory experiences. No one ever has images of sights, or sounds, or tastes, or smells which he has never experienced likewise he must have had the fullest and freest possible liberty in motor activities for not only is the motor act itself made possible through the office of imagery but the motor act clarifies and makes useful the images the boy who has actually made a table or a desk or a box has ever afterward a different and a better image of one of these objects than before so also when he has owned and ridden a bicycle his image of this machine will have a different significance from that of the image founded upon the visual perception alone of the wheel he longingly looked at through the store window or in the other boy's dooryard the influence of frequent recall but sensory experiences and motor responses alone are not enough though they are the basis of good imagery there must be frequent recall the sunset may have been never so brilliant and the music never so entrancing but if they are never thought of and dwelt upon after they were first experienced little will remain of them after a very short time it is by repeating them often in experience through imagery that they become fixed so they stand ready to do our bidding when we need next to use them the reconstruction of our images to richness of experience and frequency of the recall of our images we must add one more factor namely that of their reconstruction or working over few if any images are exact recalls of former percepts of objects indeed such would be neither possible nor desirable the images which we recall are recalled for a purpose or in view of some future activity and hence must be selective or made up of the elements of several or many former related images 
thus the boy who wishes to construct a box without a pattern to follow recalls the images of numerous boxes he may have seen and from them all he has a new image made over from many former percepts and images and this new image serves him as a working model in this way he not only gets a copy which he can follow to make his box but he also secures a new product in the form of an image different from any he ever had before and is therefore by so much the richer it is this working over of our stock of old images into newer and richer and more suggestive ones that constitutes the essence of constructive imagination the more types of imagery into which we can put our thought the more fully it is ours and the better our images the spelling lesson needs not only to be taken in through the eye that we may retain a visual image of the words but also to be recited orally so that the ear may furnish an audible image and the organs of speech a motor image of the correct forms it needs also to be written and thus given into the keeping of the hand which finally needs most of all to know and retain it the reading lesson should be taken in through both the eye and the ear and then expressed by means of voice and gesture in as full and complete a way as possible that it may be associated with motor images the geography lesson needs not only to be read but to be drawn or molded or constructed the history lesson should be made to appeal to every possible form of imagery the arithmetic lesson must be not only computed but measured weighed and pressed into actual service thus we might carry the illustration into every line of education and experience and the same truth holds what we desire to comprehend completely and retain well we must apprehend through all available senses and conserve in every possible type of image and form of expression six problems in introspection and observation one observe a reading class and try to determine whether the pupils picture the scenes and events they read about how can you tell two similarly observe a history class do the pupils realize the events as actually happening and the personages as real living people three observe in a similar way a class in geography and draw conclusions a pupil in computing the cost of plastering a certain room based the figures on the room filled full of plaster how might visual imagery have saved the error four imagine a three-inch cube paint it then saw it up into one-inch cubes leaving them all standing in the original form how many inch cubes have paint on three faces how many on two faces how many on one face how many have no paint on them answer all these questions by referring to your imagery alone five try often to recall images in the various sensory lines determine in what classes of images you are least proficient and try to improve in these lines six how is the singing teacher able after his class has sung through several scores to tell that they are flatting seven study your imagery carefully for a few days to see whether you can discover your predominating type of imagery end of chapter eight recording by gary b clayton